Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm back. Sorry about last week. I had a topic, which I'm going to be using today. Um, and I was kind of into it and then I had to dig a little more and the next thing I knew it was like the day that I would normally air and I would have had to half-ass the episode and I want to full-ass everything um, for, for all of you and for myself. Um, I think we all deserve full-ass effort or no effort at all. Um, and I'm going to start trying to practice that. So thank you for being a part of that. Um a couple other things. There's been some really great comments, some really great feedback so far. I've gotten a lot of fun ideas DM'd to me. Um, keep that up. Learning a lot about you all. Learning a lot about myself in this whole process. And then um, I'm, I'm a, a a star has just walked in. And usually I do this by myself. I don't. I wouldn't do this with a lot of people. But I'm gonna as as well as you all. I think I'm gonna tell my brother Al here a story today. Al, would you like to sit in for story time? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here. Here's the energy drink I got has alcohol in it, so what it you, all fits. What do you think about um about me getting an ad read already? I think uh, the the team does an amazing job um, with the sales side, and I think it's uh, uh, I am looking excited to this. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this because. The amount of grief I got when reading ads um, on Dear Albie was quite uh, substantial from you. You really didn't like the way I did that. So now I'm excited to see how you pull that off. Well, I, I, I have my own little way. Obviously, I do my own little weird. I like to zig, you know? One other zag. I like to zig. Well, zig away. So, sure. you know, one thing that's funny about doing this podcast is you learn a lot about yourself. Um, you know, the things that I like to research, the things that I, I find interesting in that research versus what I decide I want to kind of convey when talking about it and where, where I want to bring it whole um, surprises me a lot of the time. You learn a lot about yourself this way, um, or at least I have, and you start applying it to your everyday life, you know, and, and you start to feel like you have all these little examples of people and, and it kind of reshapes the way you think um, because I'm allowing it to. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially when we're always growing changing. There's so many changes in life. That's what most of this show is about, right? Talking about all the different things life throws at you and how um, the past and the the present are so similar. Um, One thing, when you go into the past, you can get anything from Sigmund Freud to whoever is therapy. Therapy has always been about deepening your self-awareness, your understanding. Sometimes you don't know what you want, why you want it, why you react a certain way until you talk through things. So um, my friends at BetterHelp, BetterHelp connects you to a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Uh, personally, I've never been ashamed to talk about it. I've benefited from therapy in the past. I will certainly benefit from it in the future. Um, I, I wouldn't probably bring on anything. Um, I wouldn't talk about anything promotion wise that I didn't completely believe in. And it's, I just think it's understanding kind of how to cope with what you're feeling and your skills, you know, understanding your skill set, how to best apply them. Um, and just getting an outside perspective from somebody. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Uh, it's designed to be convenient and flexible, suited to your schedule. 
and just a brief questionnaire will get matched with a therapist, a licensed therapist, of course. You can switch anytime at additional charge. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com. That's better, H E L P.com slash Chris Three. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Chris Three. Get 10% off your first month. I'm going to be doing that uh, myself. Um, I always wanted to use my own discount code. I suggest you do the same. If you like this show, if you like what we've been doing, um, I'm, you know, whether it be the history stories, the people that I read for, um, it's never going to be BS. So uh, take it, take the journey with me, betterhelp.com slash Chris Three. Uh, I kind of prepared for this as if you weren't here. I didn't expect you to be here so soon. Mm. Um, so I'm just going to just tell it to you. And um, I'd like it if your feedback was um, limited to the end. Sure. Because I might not be able to answer all the, any questions you have because I wasn't preparing to answer questions. Um, so what do you know about Monopoly, the starting Monopoly? Do you know how it, how it got started? The game? Yeah. Um, well, I believe it's based on Atlantic City. Uh, it, it, was there a, was it an Atlantic City thing somehow, and it expanded? Mm, not really. So, yes, but no. Um, so there was a lady named Lizzie Maggie, okay? And this is in the year 1900. So Lizzie Maggie, uh, her dad worked for Lincoln, and they had this kind of, like, really cool father-daughter thing, but it worked for Abraham Lincoln. And he would travel around with Abraham Lincoln on the debate stage, and they would... Um, he would just, I don't know what he was. I don't know if he was, like, they didn't really get into it. Like, if he just prepped him or if he debated him and it was just kind of like the Globetrotters where, like, Lincoln just, like, shitted on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. And they were big supporters of Henry George, who was, um, he was he was trying to implement the single tax system where, like, nobody can own land and you can own everything else. And it's a very, that's not what this is about. I'm, this is not a tax podcast. Um, really anything. We, I, I'm, I'm staying away from the tax thing. I've seen things happen to people. Got so. It. Um, he was a very like anti-establishment guy, the dad, right? And she was very close to him. I think the mother might have died early. They they don't really get into it in the book very for very long, but um, he goes around and he he was in the army and all these jobs and he would always reject um, he would always reject uh, what do you call it promotions whenever they were offered them to him. He he gave me a vibe from reading about him like Greg's grandpa from Succession, like Logan's brother. Okay, um, and he did anti-monopoly style work whether and he was a reporter so he worked he owned newspapers and he would write his own newspapers and he was trying to get bills going and other things in dc that were anti-monopoly like break up the big companies break up the big banks um or, or whatever was the big issues in 1900 so now and or prior to 1900 so he um they they stay very close and now it gets she's a stenographer she was going to school and um she didn't want to really do much of, um, of, of like, the normal, what the, whatever the female was supposed to do back then, right? Whatever you're supposed to do in 1900, because they didn't have a ton of rights. They couldn't vote yet, and they couldn't work, a lot of that stuff. So she had the job out of school to become a stenographer to help her dad make money, and she ends up doing well enough. Like, she owns a home. She's, she's very unusual for the, for the 1900 woman, okay? So... Um, her dad used to try to file patents, couldn't get them. They're very difficult to get back then for just random ideas and stuff. And she kind of creates this, um, she creates the, the little wheel in the typewriter. And I'm mm-hmm. saying that as if anyone uses a fucking typewriter that I'm talking to right now. But um, she, because she was a stenographer, so she invented this thing to make typewriting go a little bit smoother. And she got a patent. At that time, one, less than 1% of all patents belonged to women. So it was super unusual that she was able to do that. Um, she starts making some money doing the stenography thing. She reads a book called Progress and Poverty, which I think is written um, by the guy that I said before, Henry George. Either way, it goes into his stuff. And um, so I guess at the time, 
Uh, oh, I'm sorry. When once she got the patent for the typewriter, her dad died, and they were super close, and it made her upset. So she kind of dedicated more of her time to his work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to try to spread his message of of the single tax. This is 1900. There's just not that much shit to talk about. So the tax is like they're still thinking there's a way they can like reshape the way things are working. And um, there's a lot of communities and stuff like that that support the system. So anywho, she wants to be a writer. Just a little bit of history on her and the whole. Um, Al, if you want, do you want to give the word, uh, the audience, a word about John Palumbo before he joins us in the second hour? Uh, John I know is, you have to um, run, but John's a, a fascinating human being all around. So Palumbo's coming in to talk about idea stealing, and this to me was a young lady who get, is just like ground zero, patient zero of getting ideas stolen and not getting credit, not getting money, not getting anything. I mean, in this case, it's strictly because she was a woman in her time. Um, and other, but other people these days, I guess, have different excuses or different reasons why things might have happened. She's a pretty talented writer, poet, whatever. She has like a writer's block situation, and she goes to a hypnotist. She's told to go to a hypnotist so she could write under hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And she writes the best piece of anything she's ever read. And she works on it. She writes it, whatever. She goes to get the work published. It'll be her first published piece of work. She's very proud of it. And um, she gets hit for plagiarism. The hypnotist took her book and published the book that she wrote. That's cool. Right? I mean, <laughs> sure. So now she's getting pissed, though. Like, she's getting mad about... Well, I mean, don't doesn't it... Not, not to cut you off here, but doesn't it make you also wonder, maybe we, you know, maybe you get into this, make you wonder who else the hypnotist did that to? Like, what? and in and, and what other fields? Yeah, like, like what else was she robbing, you know? No, it was a he. Well, he... What, what was he doing? Um, but I, maybe we could look into the hypnotist. Yeah. But also, though, what is that? Like, hey, I have writer's block. You know what I need? A hypnotist. Not a walk in the park. Yeah, but or back like then, a- everything was different. Like, back then, people thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger deal, too. You know what I mean? Like, that's got to be everywhere. You know what I mean? It's I that think kind that's of just thing. a kid's thing, quicksand. Well, there's that. There's, like, you know, let's put it this way. The, I, I think the, the American buffalo was probably running around a lot more at the time. Okay. <laughs> Completely different worlds. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. So it's 1902 now, and uh, she's just tired of it, right? Her dad's dead, and she loved him, and he was kind of his, her light. And um, she's really big on this tax thing, and she's very anti-monopoly, and now she's getting more mad at the power, especially that men have. And um, so what does she do? I guess at the time, creating board games was a way to educate. Um, like, people would make board games as um, just ways to, like, spread a message in your home. So if you were a communist... You could make like a communism board game and try to teach people the values that board games were like. That was the the vessel for that back then. So she creates a game called the Landlord's Game, and she wants to educate people on the single tax system and the danger of monopolies. And event uh, uh, originally, there's an anti-monopoly feature. So you're a monopolist or you're an anti-monopolist, and you're going against each other to like one's trying to break up the bank. And there's all different rules, but in the game, there's railroads, property pieces, and jail. Um, so the little property cards, railroads and jail. Besides that, not a whole lot familiar. She gets a patent for that. Still less than 1% of people with patents are women. So she's got two patents in a world where women don't really get that. So she wants to educate people. She's not trying to make a million dollars on this. She wants to spread a message that her dad was very passionate about. She starts going to like Quaker villages, like, like beatnik kind of communities where men, women, children all have an equal vote. Um, which is back then children still now, obviously aren't voting, but not that they should like your kids shouldn't vote. Listen, you got to know that. But, um, 
people like Upton Sinclair wrote the jungle about like the meatpacking industry. Um, all these people live in these villages and it was a very widespread kind of thing. And they all believed in Georgism, which is the, what she believed in the tax thing. So the game took on a lot and it was an artistic community. So the game got really popular. And what they started to do is recreate the board. Like she asked her to do recreate, make your own board, make any property you want, call it, you know, Albert, call it whatever you want. Right. And it starts to pick up. So now it gets picked up by the economic gaming company. It's like an educational gaming company. It doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, at this time, Milton Bradley and Parker brothers are buying up everything, like every type of idea you could possibly have. They're just starting to become companies. The book that I read is about kind of everybody. My just biggest takeaway was, was Lizzie. I, I just think it was a really cool story. Um, couple things on Milton Bradley. What do you know about Milton Bradley? Not the baseball player. Well, that's a step backwards. Um, I, I had heard the name. Was he a... Um, He's like not Parker Brothers, but all the other games. Yeah, like but game it, of they, life. they call it Bradley, right? Do they call it... I feel like they do serials too. I don't know. But it's anyway, but he created the game of life. So now the game, video games back... I'm sorry, board games back then were very educational, extremely boring. They're rooted in like history, um, which probably not the best thing for me to bring up right now on a history podcast. But... Um, and... He he finds out that you can um, kind of people get interested in real life scenario living, like take, you know living someone else's life when he creates the game of life, mm. which is still obviously around. The first reality show. Do you know there's a in his there was a suicide one? It's dark. Like you just land on the suicide tile and that's how your game ends. So life came before anything, as, which is weird, I, mm. I guess, in the big picture, too. But life came before anything in the board game space, and um, it starts to really pick up a lot of steam. And they're realizing that there is a a market for living outside of your reality, you know, which we could obviously all relate to now. So now, also, Milton Bradley invented kindergarten. I don't understand. He just didn't, like he learned the concept of kindergarten and like brought it over. But I guess there's no money in that. But how? Right? I don't know. So. Anyway, she's getting more mad at gender inequality, and she does this thing. Now I'm back to Lizzie, obviously, right? She takes a full page out in the paper to become a woman slave. But the idea isn't that she's actually trying to be a slave. She lists all of her skills, her talents. I can write. I can read. I can, I'm a creative thinker. I think for myself. She's literally saying, I just want to get paid like everybody else does. Um, she does it in a way that no one's it's, – it's a level of irony that I don't think anybody's able to understand at that point. And she goes into talking about – Basically that she's a qualified worker and she'll just, she just wants to get paid what she's worth. And she starts getting offers for obviously sex and marriage and these asking for pictures. Um, and she said the winner is going to be the highest bidder. And eventually this, she never ends up going anywhere, but um, the highest bidder in her like files that they found later in life, I guess were uh, was an old couple saying they would just give her a room and a library access to a library. So um she would say things like working as a stenographer was torturing her because she was typing up the ideas of people dumber than her. And she, since she was a woman, she wasn't allowed to voice her, but she just had to type in these, I don't know, imagine being around idiots and like just typing down what they're saying and not being able to kind of add your, and the exact quote was knowing you could do things better than others, but can't prove it is a special type of hell. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I like that. So, um, now a European version of her game gets made, not for a ton of money, but it starts to look a little bit like Monopoly. Like there's um, like you make money for pass and go and there's like a free uh, there's a public park where you could land on. 
right? And now I'm going to kind of move up a little bit. Also, she's a big-time feminist. She's like an early OG feminist and married a guy that had like one of the first porn magazines. Mm. So I don't know. If she were alive, we would talk to her about that. But and again, apparently he was like a weird fucking dude. So everybody was very confused by the marriage. And she was kind of she got famous from that article um, that when she put out her I, mean, I should have mentioned that when she put out the ad to be a woman slave, it like was like viral 1900. Like everyone talked about it. Mm-hmm. It was like a big thing. And then um, Upton Sinclair, who I mentioned earlier, reached out, and he's like, I get what you're doing there. Cool. Keep up the good work. Um, So now, as I mentioned earlier, she goes to, like, these hippie villages. She hands out the game. People grab it. They start to graduate, uh, gravitate towards it, and they're making their own, and then they, um, people move on with their lives, right? They start leaving, and it gets really popular through universities. And kids that were going to college were super wealthy back then. They would bring it back to their parents, and they would start to use jewelry pieces as their pieces. So that's where you started to see the tokens mm-hmm. like that you see now, right? So this is all from her idea that she just wanted to educate people on. But it's becoming this game of telephone where the game's changing little by little by little by little. And now it's in popular, uh, it's super popular in the houses, but no one's buying it because it's not a game that you can really buy. Um, so the game in the fraternity world starts to be called the, the Monopoly game. Mm-hmm. And it's a version of Lizzie's game, but it kind of gets into these other kind of properties. So this frat boy named Daniel Lehman takes it on. He brings it to, uh, he does the small houses, the hotels, chance cards, fluctuating rent. Um, he tries to sell it. And um, as the, under the word finance, the name finance, and he ends up getting it sold for like 200 bucks, which is $5,000 now during the great. Now we're approaching great depression. So that's actually not the end of the world for him. He's doing good, but Whoever he sold it to is a different family. So I know this is going to get confusing, but it's just this game of telephone of how shit gets invented. And what I want to talk about with John later is stealing ideas and how there's benefit to that. So um, now they're in Atlanta. Now they get to the thriving boardwalk empire version of Atlantic city. Uh, the game makes its way to there and it's a huge hit because there's new gambling and it's during, um, prohibition where there's really not shit to do and if anyone's ever seen boardwalk empire they didn't care in atlantic city and i think this is the third straight episode where i've cited new jersey not giving a fuck about the law it was like the aliens in episode one something in episode two and now we're here with with um but you know jersey so um free parking is based off atlantic city because the parking there was so expensive and obviously all the names if you don't know this this might be a distinctly new jersey like pride fact if you don't know this but it's um all the pieces on the Monopoly border are Atlantic City streets. So um, it, it kind of gets into to to that level of, um, you know, like that's kind of what it ends the naming of the places. I don't really know why, though. I don't know why everyone stopped adapting their own, like, versions of it. Mm-hmm. But it, I guess people just really like the way that it flowed. So now this guy, now Atlantic City goes through the Great Depression. Everything kind of goes to shit. And um, the person I mentioned earlier leaves with this version of Monopoly. And um, he goes to, like, the Midwest to go get work doing whatever. Meets a fellow named Charles Darrow. They go to dinner. And he's like, oh, you got to play this game. He brings him home. And um, right now, Charles Darrow is... is So thus far, I've credited, like, four people with inventing Monopoly, right? Yeah. Charles Darrow is right now, the person I just mentioned is the person who's credited with creating the game. Mm-hmm. After all the, again, the game of telephone I just did. And basically, because it got to him as this 
totally different version of, of Lizzie's game. She's still alive at this point, but it gets to him as a um, finished product as we know it to be today, but it has no artwork. So he has a son who has like the scarlet fever, I think. Um, and I guess it was affecting his brain, but he couldn't afford sending him to a school. Um, so he had to do something desperate. He called his friend. He's like, Hey, that game we played was a lot of fun. What are the rules? He's like, well, there's kind of no rules. You make up your own. It's just, I have the board and you kind of just, cause yeah, but I liked the way you played it. So what, what were your rules? Can you send them to me? So he, I don't know, etches into stone, whatever you do in 1923, <laughs> he writes down, uh, the rules of the game and, and Darrow takes it. And he goes to an, an artist friend of his who makes a jail, a warden, um, a man with a, with a curly beard, um, the chance community chess, stuff like that. Um, and he creates the game cause he, he more of a finished product mm-hmm. and he calls it the monopoly game. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's doing it really to raise money for his son, but he kind of, he screwed the artist. He didn't give him any money, but even the artist was like, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll draw it for you. No big deal. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to do anything with this. He just thought he was kind of helping him out with his like home project, you know? He goes to Parker Brothers. He goes to Milton Bradley. Both get it said it's interesting, but they turn it down. So at this point, what I didn't mention, they turned down the landlord's game. They turned down the game finance, and they turned down Monopoly. Um, he starts doing pretty well with it in uh, in a couple stores. FAO Schwartz becomes one of them, and it gets really popular. Depression hit, and people started to obsess over Monopoly because they got to buy stuff, like they just got to have ideas and whatever. Um, you know, and buy things that they couldn't afford. And he goes, I gets the attention of Parker brothers who goes to Darrow. They, they pay him $7,000 and interest. Uh, I'm sorry. And, um, you know what I'm saying? Royalty. Yeah. Royalty to, to keep it going. So now they ask him, they give him his origin story. Oh, it's a freak thing that just came to me. He just doesn't say, Oh, it's like a folklore game. He doesn't do any of that. Um, later, and there's a lot more to this book, and I really think anyone that, that likes to read, if you do audiobooks, The Monopolist, Mary Pylon, it's really, really great. Um, it's really not about her, the book. It's just so I, I don't have a ton of facts. And what I Google, that's kind of the fun part. Like, I have a 50th or 100th anniversary or something board of Monopoly. You know, the one I'm, I love that mm-hmm. board. It's a really old board. It's like the first antique thingy I ever bought. And um, they, uh, they, they, the whole story of him. It's just Dauro and his family and the Great Depression. It's, it's how it started. And there's really not a lot of facts on her besides this book. So she, um, she I guess it gets out because she had a patent that there was an original game that's, that's closer to this. And they, it's going so well that Parker Brothers doesn't want... They actually created Ping Pong, the mm-hmm. Parker Brothers. Uh, but they stole it from China and then Tiddlywinks, which I always just thought was a thing people say when you're being lazy. Um, but it was actually a game, I guess, they, they had that too. But they couldn't prove that they created either, and they lost the rights to both. So they didn't want to go through that. So he, they, they start to realize this guy did not create Monopoly. They find out who did. They find Lizzie. They give her $500. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go promote your message. And they give her 500 bucks, and she doesn't care about the money. She's just excited that her message is finally going to be, mm-hmm. um, you know. Out there. They do one run of the, of the landlord's game, and they shut it down. They just don't want her to get sued, you know. No royalties, no nothing. She just gets 500 bucks and that's it. The cool thing is she doesn't seem to give a shit. She's not happy, but she's like not trying to make money, not trying to get sued. She's just like, you know, or not trying to sue anybody. She's just like, you know what? My game got out there. What I wanted to do got done. 
But then all these other people start coming out of the woodwork, and I suggest you read the book if you want more information on that. But she eventually uh, wrote an open letter to her game, like bidding it a farewell, that like it's not in my hands anymore, and it's not what I wanted it to be, and it's now it's this thing. But um, that's the story of Monopoly and how it was really, really, really real-life creative. And you get into that with John. I No, I don't. I get into idea-stealing with John. Oh. Well, that's what I, I plan to do. But I am happy you're here because I was going to do a rant by myself, but I think you you might be a good person for this. Um, so I usually like to do a little button at the end of this, mm-hmm. this episode. And I've been paying close attention to, and I'm thinking about idea stealing and all that stuff. You're not on TikTok, right? No. So I have a TikTok account. It's not like, it doesn't say Chris Manzo, you're not going to find me on it, but, um, because people send them to me and everything and, and you don't want to go through the website. And I'm always told not to trust it and whatever. And I see all the, and this is a super random turn for me. I don't think you're going to expect this. You're mm-hmm. going to be maybe even weirded out. But um, I don't think it should be banned. And the reason it gets up to this is that, first of all, I feel like I should say it. Second, that's what TikTok is. It's stealing, right? Stealing ideas and jokes. So every time you open it, it's somebody doing like um, a really famous movie scene, since you're not really on it, like doing a famous movie scene. Lauren did one the other day, like right. the, the Scandoval situation. Mm-hmm. There's a, like a line, I don't know, but Lauren redid it and people liked it or whatever, didn't, I don't know. And um, that's a lot of what TikTok is, is aggregating, right? Just kind of stealing something, making it your own. And you're putting, maybe you say a joke and one person's doing it, um, you know, while they're taking out the garbage and they're saying, oh, you know, and I said you're a garbage, you're a garbage or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I feel like, and this is all, again, This is, I don't like being political. I don't like doing political things. But when when Democrats and Republicans agree on something, I feel like it should be looked at. Like, why do you, you don't agree on anything? Mm-hmm. And you're agreeing on this. The constituents are not. Nobody, nobody wants it banned. You know what I mean? Like, kids well, don't, I don't want. I don't have a TikTok for a reason. But you don't, yeah, but, you, but, that's, but that's at least your prerogative. Sure. You know what I mean? And and I find it strange. I don't know if you looked at the bill that they're passing about social media. If you, I didn't read it bill by bill. I looked at a very biased handful of TikTok accounts. But I also see it with book banning. I don't think you should be able to just ban shit. And I find it weird that this is so serious. Like I watched the, the hearings, and a lot of I think a lot of the politicians look kind of stupid on, on either side of it. And I think no matter who gets elected. Next, it'll still be the same issue. So this is not a partisan. I'm not doing that. But I think when the people want something and both parties, it's the one thing they agree on is not giving it to them. I find it very strange. And I think it should be up to parents Mm. and local officials or whoever to say what's appropriate to be in homes and what isn't. And I have been on the anti-TikTok side for a very long time until these hearings. And I just found it super weird. I'm like, you guys don't agree on anything. But did you watch Navalny? No. Okay. So do you know what it is? Yeah. So Alexei Navalny was a guy that just simply ran against Putin, for those of you that don't know. And um, his he was totally blacklisted from all media. And his whole rise came through TikTok, YouTube, social media, things like that, because it's just the one thing that the government couldn't control. And um, again, super weird turn for me. But I think... It's worth saying that you can't be doing that. I don't think you could be shutting down what people do. I think it's it's the one thing you can't control, and that scares me that that's the thing you want to shut down. Well, I think, and I want to say it out loud. I think it's a different kind of 
subject matter altogether for why they're banning it. You know, but I think you know you're going to need a whole, a whole hour just just for that. I, I know, but that's why I was only doing a quick thing, and then uh, uh, then me and you will no, argue about that. We'll revisit I did it. Totally disagree with you. Oh, but the phone you're watching it on is made by the same fucking people they're worried about. So, but my but both my, of them. My point though is, if they have an instrument that's being used to help a foreign government spy on everybody, that's probably not a good Ow, thing. We can't stop a Macy's Thanksgiving balloon from floating into fucking North Carolina. I'm just it so, seems to me that they're going to like you know uh, the, the same way you're saying when everybody agrees. That's that's it's it's weird. It's to me. It's weird, but that kind of is one of the things that to me says you got to look at it hard because they're probably onto something. But this all started to me with with the book banning. And I don't again, I've seen that on both sides of things, so I'm not trying to do that. But I, I as a I love to read, I I'm a published I wrote a book. So I obviously, you mm-hmm. know, I've contributed to the culture. But um you can't ban books. I don't care what the subject matter is. You just can't do that. That's Fahrenheit four fifty one. Like that that's that is a a level of overstepping that I'm not comfortable with with my government. And I just feel like this is a version of that. And I'm not going to get too into it because it's the total opposite of what I'm going to talk about with Palumbo. And you're not going to be here for that to defend it. But um, that's how I was going to end this was just by making a little claim. But you're here. So now it's more of a conversation that I just think that um, watching those hearings was um, it was unsettling to me because I'm so used to a Democrat attacking a Republican or a Republican attacking a Democrat. But watching them team up together was like, what is your what is this is weird to me. And I didn't like it. Yeah, maybe. I think, you know, we'll get into it. And the one thing they agree on is the things that kids don't. And um, again, I don't use it. It's just, I just find it strange. And um, if we wanted to be spied on, we already are. There's a a giant fucking balloon in the sky. I could tell you disagree because you're just nodding your head. So uh, do you want the final word? No, no, no. I think everybody enjoyed John and we'll argue about uh, this later. Um, Parental advisory warning for John Palumbo. And he brings the worst out of me. Like, I will be dropping F-bombs like crazy. Oh, I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't know. It all depends on which John you get. You know, he could be super corporate, straight edge, or he could be super, like, I have tattoos. He made it clear that that's not... Well, it's about his tattoo. Oh, we're well, opening then. We're opening with his tattoo. Don't. There you go. So, uh, guys, get ready for Palumbo. I think you're going to love it. Thank you for listening. I hope my story wasn't all over the place. Chris Theory. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.